You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. There, let me move my mic closer to me. My name is Rick Ritchie. Uh, hello and welcome. It's good to be back with you today. And today I want to go over just the idea of fitness trackers. I get questions about fitness trackers and, and what, what do you do with them and why do you use them and how do you apply them and how do you do training with them? And and listen, I'm, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going hard in the paint with this, but I want to do an overview of fitness trackers, what they are and why, how they can be useful. So I think I guess the first thing you have to really look at when you talk about fitness trackers is what do you want to track? What's the purpose of using a fitness tracker? Are you doing it because you want a pedometer? You want to measure the amount of steps that you take every day? We've heard 10,000 steps a day. That should be something to aspire to. I actually think that is an excellent number to aspire to, but how do you measure that? Well, these pedometers are helpful, so you, you can get a tracker for that. We oftentimes hear about heart rate and measuring heart rate, and I think that is an excellent thing. You know if you've done the CPT program, when we go into our zone training, we have three different zones where we work out heart rates in different areas, and how can you know that unless you are tracking that. So that comes in really helpful for specific heart rate training zone areas. Now, it's possible that you can do respiratory rate and not use a tracker for that. You're just guessing based off of how much you're breathing or what's called VT1 or VT2, ventilatory threshold. But a heart rate allows you to track that and to quantify it. Well, there's something else that's really popular in the last few years called heart rate variability. And I know when I first heard of this, I thought, well, heart rate variability can't be good. If your heart rate is highly variable, then that's probably not good. But what it seems is that the the heart rate, and these are not, uh, you know, uh, they're not flutters or anything. It's just that your heart rate does have different ways that it beats from beat to beat. And that's known as heart rate variability. And it seems that healthier hearts are are better associated, more associated with an elevated heart rate variability. Now, if you go and you start measuring your HRV and it's low compared to whatever a norms chart that you may be looking at, don't freak out. This is not about you comparing yourself to the norms. It is about you comparing yourself to yourself and tracking your progress. This goes the same for all the fitness trackers, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But norms charts are nice, but norms charts are putting you against other people that may not fit what you need to be focusing on right now. You want to you want to focus on calories? Then you have to find a right tracker that's going to be able to do that because the ones that are pedometers may not have calorie counters. If you want a GPS to find out where you are, to track your runs, to track your rides, whatever you've been doing. Sleep trackers. I use a sleep tracker. I have a uh, an Apple Watch, and I use a sleep tracker, and it does nothing for me except make me feel better or not as to whether or not I got a good amount of sleep and whether I hit any numbers on my deep sleep. And sometimes it is zero. 
and sometimes I can get two or three hours of deep sleep, and then I immediately feel like, yeah, I do. I do feel more awake today. Yeah, thank you, Fitness Tracker, for letting me know. Do you want stand reminders? Do you want movement reminders? What do you want to track? And then what do you want to pay? Because, you know, there are some out there that are really expensive. There's some out there that are a one-time purchase. There's some things that you can purchase, but you can buy apps for, and you can upgrade. And there are some apps out there uh, or fitness trackers that you use, and not only do you buy, but you also pay a monthly fee in order to utilize their software platform. So what are you willing to spend? And that's something you need to explore. It's all part of your process to, to figuring out, well, what tracker do I want to use? And then ultimately, what's your goal? Do you want a fitness tracker because you are trying to lose weight? Are you? Do you want it because you are trying to train for something? <clears throat> You're training for a mud run. Uh, I think it's incredible, uh, incredibly valuable when you're doing things like marathon training or long run training. Uh, as, as are other simple portions of trackers like timers that are measuring times, that are measuring your splits. So being able to find that in an app that allows you to do that for the goal of what you're trying to do. It's fantastic. And then also, are there any health concerns? And is that why you're using some of these trackers? Because if there are health concerns or medical purposes, then it's important for you to, to know what your oxygen saturation is. It's important for you to know what your blood pressure is or what your heart rate is. And there are all sorts of tools and devices that can measure that. It's hard to find a single tool and device that can do all of it. I think we're going to get there. We're going to start getting to things where these little straps that you put around your wrist, like a watch, is going to be able to provide some type of outcome with oxygen saturation. It's going to be able to tell your blood pressure. It's going to use different means of light and um, uh, accelerometry to measure so many different things. But we, we don't have a tracker that can do everything quite yet. But they're on their way. What are some of the benefits of it? What do they provide? Why? Why would they be useful? One, I think they're useful because they provide motivation. I think it's helpful that there's uh, personalized motivation that can be added to it because it can send you calendar updates. It can send you alarms. It can give you daily motivation messages. And some of them come with these wonderful preloaded encouragements. And I think those are great. And they can be really helpful for some people. Also, I think that some data out there suggest that fitness uh, trackers have been able to help increase exercise adherence. So the sticking with it, and when you think about new exercisers, new people that are going into fitness, they're probably not the first people to start spending money on apps, but with a 50% dropout rate for new exercisers within the first six months, maybe a fitness tracker can be beneficial to giving them a little bit more uh, motivation to keep going. And then there's the other parts of it, which is it's giving you object, uh, objective feedback. It's giving you data, and it's usually storing that data and saving it. So you can go back and over the course of a few months, just, just measure it. over. Stick with it. 
long enough for a few months, you can see what you were doing and what you are doing now, not comparing yourself back to those norm charts of what other people are doing, but going to what it is that you're doing and what you were doing two months ago and comparing it. Because sometimes it feels, it feels like we're not making progress. And then you see the objective feedback and you're like, I am, I'm clearly uh, getting stronger or I'm clearly getting faster or my heart rate is lowering quicker, which is one of the best ways to identify cardiorespiratory health is not how far up you can go in your heart rate, but after workout, how quickly does your heart rate come back down? A sign of a healthy heart. I like trackers also, not just because of motivation, but there are means of which we can provide accountability. First of all, if you're working with a tracker as a fitness professional and you're working with a client, you can keep them accountable by seeing in some apps what it is that they're doing. You can provide them information on what it is that they're supposed to do, and then they check off whether or not they've done those things. And you say, oh, okay, I see that you did this, this, and this, but on this day, you didn't do it, or you skipped certain things. And you can hold them accountable. I think there are other apps out there, not just for personal trainers to use, but there are apps like the running app Strava, which provides a group experience, even when you're working out or you're running specifically uh, with that app by yourself. So there are some pretty cool things with some of these apps that are out there. Also, let's talk about just for a moment, accuracy. Uh, <clears throat> I get this question a lot. It's some of these trackers are not necessarily the most accurate. <clears throat> now, with that said, don't get too concerned about it. Now, I do think if you're <laughs> you're doing blood pressure or you're doing a glucose monitor, those kind of things need to be really accurate. But some of these things aren't as accurate that are measuring things. But don't get too worried whether or not uh, you're doing a sleep tracker and that sleep tracker is not the same thing that your physician uses or that certain things that you're utilizing are not absolutely the most precise. What we're looking for is consistency, right? So I know that if it consistently says this is where I am and I'm making progress, I'm still making progress. Even though the baseline numbers might be skewed a little bit, I can still see progress being made. So don't worry too much. Accuracy, I think they're all pretty accurate, to be honest, but they're not, they're not all 100%. With that said, there are some nutrition apps that are out there. And we've had Danny Lemon from Sigma Nutrition that came on. He's got a great nutrition app. Uh, there are a lot of apps out there that you can use. And what do they do? Well, they can monitor your eating habits and they can provide guidelines. They provide meal plans or count calories or help you understand the lingo and the labels of the food industry. It allows you so many of them kind of as a baseline to track your macros. And tracking macros is a big deal. It's a big deal what you look at to really figure out what your calories in, calories out look like. Um, and then it can also help you tracking your food intake. This is what I ate. Pre and post workouts. Uh, what do you take for uh, nutrition prior to working out or after working out? Can give you some recipes. They can provide what I like to think of as positive eating habits. That's a nutrition app. But they're also, and this is this is for you fit pros out there, they're fitness apps. 
There are fitness apps that we as personal trainers can use with our clients to help them talk about uh, accountability and increasing adherence. These are some of the things that you can do because let's say you got a client, they come in and they work out with you twice a week for an hour each. That's two hours. Well, there's 168 hours in a week. So they have 166 on their own. Half of that, uh, I was going to say half of that. That isn't right. A third of that is going to be spent sleeping. And you don't expect people to be working out the entire time. You as a fitness professional, you're not working out all of your waking hours. But can we get that two hours a week to three hours a week? Can we up it incrementally so that we are getting our clients to do something physically active when they're not with us? And some of these uh, fitness apps have nutritional components to it as well. And it allows you to take information from your training, start personalizing it and providing routines for your clients. And you can program those and they can be with weights or resistance training. And then some of your clients, they don't have anything. So you can program them and they uh, with body weight exercises because they don't have these resistance training tools there. You can set reminders for your clients to work out or to complete a program. They can do one-on-one trainings with you. They can do group trainings, or it can just be a program. I love the, the, the virtual stuff that's come about over the last couple of years. I love that. It's one of the benefits of what happened, right? So I can do Zoom one-on-ones or FaceTime or whatever it is where I can do one-on-one with people. But then I put together a program, and I say, here's your program. So for a lot less than doing one-on-one training, you can have a program and deliver that to your clients. And it can even be supplement. You train with me twice a week, then you pay this much for your training program for the supplemental days. You train with me three days a week. It comes free with, uh, with you and you get an additional day of this is what I want you to do. Or you can do one day a week Here's a program for you. It costs this much money. Three days a week, it costs this much money. Every single day, you want me to program what you need to do every single day, then for the month, it may cost this much money. And you use your fitness trackers, you fill all that information in, and you send it to them. And, you know, all sorts of other things that could potentially happen with uh, uh, with these trackers, like being able to show exercises and having a video, showing proper exercise technique, talking them through what it looks like. I use the NASM Edge app and I provide those workouts for clients and they can pay online and I can book it and I can send them their programs and allow them to be able to do certain programs, their body weight programs, their strength, uh, sorry, stabilization endurance programs. And we can do that for a month and then start to progress you and deliver those programs, individual programs to each person. And they're pre-programmed. But what I do is I find information from people and that says what bothers me, this is what I know. And I go into the app and I switch out exercises. I say, oh, uh, doing stuff overhead hurts them. I remove the overhead exercises, provide exercises that do not cause harm or hurt, doesn't bother them, change those exercises and send the program. Rick, were you able to do an overhead squat assessment and assessments with people? No, because that's that's what one-on-one training is but I can provide you with an excellent workout based off the OPT programming that is progressive, that's systematic, that moves you from one place to another. 
and I can follow that data that's on there and then send you messages back and forth to make sure you're doing it, find out why you did certain things or didn't do certain, certain things, what was too heavy, what was too light, and I can make those adjustments. Uh, I do offer a 30-minute workout for people that listen to this podcast. If you're interested in exploring what it's like to work out with the NASM Edge app and you want a 30-minute workout, then I'll send one to you. So you can email me at rick.richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. Let me know that you want the workout that was talked about on the podcast, and I'll send it to you. I'll send you a link. You'll download the NASM Edge app. And then once you download it, I have access to you. I will populate your calendar with a workout, 30-minute workout, I'll put it in several days so you can practice it multiple times. And then if you feel like you want to keep going, just let me know. We'll figure something out. Now, with that said, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so via email or you can reach out on Instagram, where I'm most active, at dr.rickritchie. If you have questions, you want to follow up with me, feel free to do so. Also, Take the time to like, subscribe, and to share this podcast with other fitness professionals. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.